Thank you, Deacon Andy. Andy is a deacon as of yesterday, so it's great for us to be able to enjoy his ministry. Thank you. It's a gift to the church and to our congregation. Praise the Lord. Uh, please pray with me. Lord, by the clearness and the brightness of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're seeking happiness, don't choose Christianity. Choose port wine. <laughs> Joy is the serious business of heaven. So right out the gate, I got my two C.S. Lewis quotes out. Um, it is an Anglican service after all. But where does joy, where does joy come from? What uh, secures it? Uh, because joy is contested, happiness, you know, just basic happiness is contested uh, by big things, um, relational challenges between people, really big relational challenges like violence, um, the scarcity of this world and creation, sickness, there's all kinds of things we can think of that contest, um, contest joy, contest, contest happiness. Even um, comparatively really trivial things, um, even when things are seemingly going pretty well, small things can suddenly throw us off. Um, for example, um, yesterday for me, um, Andy's ordination was a really joyful um, occasion. Uh, the gospel was proclaimed, um, Minnesota churches gathered together um, worshiping Jesus and came away from the service feeling um, strengthened and encouraged by the joy of the Lord. Um, then about an hour and a half later, um, Anne had trusted me um, with, with a task that I screwed up. And, and I, felt really, I felt really bad. So it was poof, like all that strength and everything was, and she was very gracious about it. Well, actually, I should say it. Okay, it's actually pretty bad. I was supposed to, I was supposed to pick up another child at a birthday party and I forgot them at the birthday party, but it was at a water park, so I think she was probably fine to be left behind, and, and she got another ride, so anyway. So who knows if you'll trust me <laughs> with certain responsible tasks. Uh, but again, joy is contested, happiness is contested. Um, there's a, Alexander Schmemann is a Orthodox, was an Orthodox priest that I really admire his writings, and I was reading from his journals um, a couple of days ago. He said, the first, the main source of everything is my soul rejoices in the Lord. Again, the first, the main source of everything is my soul rejoices in the Lord. The fear of sin does not save from sin. Joy in the Lord saves. A feeling of guilt or moralism does not liberate from the world and its temptations. And then he continued to write uh, about it. His journals are great because it's just sort of mundane things and then really deeply profound things. He said, people continuously come and ask for advice. Today, since 7.30 a.m., I've heard confessions, talk, talk, talk. Four people with problems, not counting appointments for later. And some weaknesses or false shame keeps me from telling each of them, I don't have advice for each to give you. I have only weak, shaky, but for me, unremitting joy. Do you want it? Again, 
that I don't have advice to give you. I have only weak, shaky, but for me, unremitting joy. Do you want it? Where does joy come from? What secures it? How do we choose uh, to rejoice in the Lord? And I think Paul's letter to the Philippians um, gives us a lot of answers. It teaches us a lot about the answer to these questions. Because Philippians is a joyful letter that Paul expresses and is formed by the joy of the Lord. He is thankful, he's hopeful, he's contented. And Philippians is written while he's in prison, from a place of imprisonment. Paul's mostly, most likely writing from um, prison in Rome. From prison, he's most likely awaiting um, a trial that could and probably did end in his death. Paul shares joyful prayers and thanksgiving um, in this letter. And so between now and Advent, uh, the preaching team and I, we were reflecting on what would be good um, both within the lectionary, the assigned readings, but then sort of extending them, stretching them out. We felt that Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, would be a good place um, for our church body to be in. And we'll be also um, meditating on Philippians and men's and women's listening prayer, um, the youth, I think, just as much as we can, just sort of um, resting in that letter. Because Paul loved the Philippian church. He had a long history with them, going back nearly a decade or more. And in what we read today, he speaks of that, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And when he talks about the first day, he, he knows what he was talking about. He was there at the first day of that um, church, of that founding of their fellowship. And now uh, they were a much more developed church. They had overseers and deacons, overseers, a word uh, for bishops, and a whole congregation of saints. Paul went uh, to Philippi during his second missionary journey. Um, Paul and Barnabas split up over whether to take Mark with them. Barnabas and Mark went to Cyprus, and then Paul and Silas journeyed north and west um, around the Mediterranean. They picked up Timothy along the way, so I think this noting Timothy, although this letter is primarily written by Paul, um, is, is again a personal touch in re reaching out to the Philippians. And in that course of that second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, or Paul, um, yeah, Paul and Barnabas saw this vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Philippi was a city in that district. And Paul and his companions came uh, to Philippi. You can read more about all the things that happened in Philippi in Acts chapter 15, uh, verses 11 through 38. Some of the figures that they met, Lydia, which is sort of a famous uh, figure within the Bible, she and her whole household were baptized. Um, Paul and um, Silas were thrown in jail after they had exercised a spirit from um, a slave girl that was making money for her masters. And so they were then thrown into jail. There's this famous scene of them singing and praying around midnight in this earthquake, busting open the jail. And the jailer about to kill, them, kill himself, um, Paul stays his hand and instead this jailer um, believes in the Lord and then you know, takes Paul from the jail to his house. Um, and he and his, his householder as well believe. So that's the roots of the church of Philippi. It was an intense um, beginning. Lots and lots of exciting things and how God was building that fellowship. 
However, as we read this letter to the Philippians, again, it's probably a decade later, Paul's care for them goes far beyond um, just their shared history and the affinity that they have. His affection is deeper just than the fact that he, he liked them or that they sent support. Instead, he claims much deeper things. He claims the joy of the Lord. He claims so boldly even the affection of Christ Jesus for them. The wholeness and the holiness of the joy of the Lord are two prominent themes that come up um, in Philippians. And as the preaching team and I read that, we felt like that's, that's a place that we want to return to. That those are um, themes that would be good for our church and themes that rise up sort of naturally within the text. When we speak of wholeness, we're speaking of the wholeness of the joy of the Lord. That the joy of the Lord is, is sufficient. The joy of the Lord is complete. It's not lacking in anything. The joy of the Lord um, counteracts our anxiety, our discouragement. It takes the bite out of personal rivalries and envy. That the joy of the Lord fills um, hollowness created by sin as we are sort of disintegrated as, as people and hide from the Lord. And the joy of the Lord even overwhelms the fear of death. With a pr- profound sense of security and the, the, the security of the joy of the Lord, Paul is certain that God who began a work, good work in the Philippians would bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And he's certain of it because he's so sure of God's purposes for himself. The grace of God that sustained him in prison, even in prison, is the same grace that, in which we all share and in which the Philippians shared. So if, if it can be received in prison, it can be received for those who are at liberty. And so that's sort of an image of what the wholeness of the joy of the Lord is like. It's a whole joy, um, one that is filling for the individual, but it's also communal. It's not private, but uniting believers in Christ and with all those who are in him. And it is a bit of an image of the stones of the temple, which we've been speaking about the last two weeks, that all stones, all things rest upon Christ and the steadfastness of his foundation. So the joy of the Lord is whole, and the joy of the Lord is also holy. That Paul's joy is holy because it's not just happiness, it's not just how he feels by um, circumstances, but it is divine and eternal. It's a gift from God that Paul is joyful because he is loved by God. And it's fitting then that the way that Paul expresses that gift of joy is by bringing it and offering it back to God in prayer and in thanksgiving and in worship. You see that in other letters of Paul elsewhere in 2 Corinthians. Paul's lament of suffering um, still sounds in, in in a really remarkable way like joy and thanksgiving as he again is speaking of things that are hardships, saying known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This worship, these prayers, these words of thanksgiving are acts of power for Paul. Again, he's expressing them but he's also being formed by these truths. That although Paul was physically distant, he could pray uh, with a sense of strong pastoral power for these people, the Philippians whom he loved and profoundly yearned um, to see and visit. 
When you think about that, when you see um, Paul's character and how he just keeps popping back up in spite of being persecuted, what a pain he must have been uh, to his enemies. Singing um, in prison, um, preaching after he'd been beaten, um, rescuing his jailer from suicide, rejoicing that Christ was preached even when there were people who were preaching it um, out of envy and a spirit of personal envy and rivalry against him. Paul just seems to be, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That God gave Paul a joyful vision to preach what he himself had received from God, namely that a hard heart could be softened and transformed by love and um, be so filled with love that it pours out and is bounds more and more in discernment and knowledge of God and the love of God. And, and a fruit that leads to righteousness and holiness. Paul's joyful affections and his confidence ran very, very deeply. It was much more than just the circumstances of life. He shared what he himself had received from the Lord. He preached what he knew and had experienced. Another good thing I think about Philippians for us in this season, um, it's a letter to a church in a world that is groaning. There were unfriendly political and religious factions. There was conflict um, within the church. There were people assaulted by sin, the flesh, and the devil. Personal conflicts between individuals that needed to be addressed. And as we look at those things, there's really nothing new under the sun, right? That the world is still groaning, looking for deliverance from, uh, as, at, at the last day. The gospel spreads through us and in us, in the midst of and through our own discipleship as we are being formed more after the image of God and Christ. It's formed through um, our discipleship as individuals, but it's formed as well as a congregation as we are seeking to be more and more like the kingdom of God, where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So that even when disputes and resistance arose within the church, it didn't um, quell, it didn't silence Paul's joy. That his joy, um, again, he would say was most whole and full when God's people were holy and humble but even when, when they weren't, he rejoiced to see Christ proclaimed. That Paul could rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances, imprisonment or freedom, hunger or plenty, dispute or acceptance, because he joyfully recognized that God's power was doing infinitely more than he could ask or imagine, immeasurably more than what he could see at work in him or Timothy or others. We ourselves are people groaning maybe within our own spirit in a world that is groaning for its deliverance. There's aches and pains in our own church body. There's friends who have moved away and retirements of beloved friends and mentors. There's change and growing pains and then on top of all that is a world that seems to be turning in upon itself over and over again. In that sort of setting, affinity is good that we have shared history but shared history and affinity are not um, a not enough. It's all good, but they're not eternal or redemptive. And so Paul exhorts the Philippians, and it's an exhortation for us over the season, have the same mind, be joyful, humble, self-sacrificing, and courageous. Have the mind of Christ Jesus himself. The life of Jesus within us poured out of us. 
Um, that life that comes that's not merely born from our affinity for one another or our shared history, but the affection and life of Jesus Christ within us. Paraphrasing uh, the author, Kurt Thompson, he says, that is what church fellowship cultivates and what we ourselves as a church will pursue together this ministry season. That the church is a lab, it's a studio, a crucible in which we are formed into the image of Jesus by looking at him in the face of others. A space where everyone remains in the face of our mistakes and where people are committed to repairing ruptures. A fellowship of believers, and as we are, who share in Christ's ministry of reconciliation through worship, testimony, and faithful presence. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you want it? Yes. Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play something um, that was a good expression for me of being like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It is my strength, and it is joyful. So I'm gonna play just, um, just an expression of that um, for you, and if you remember it, sing the chorus, and then we'll continue with the Nicene Creed. We were locked out of the garden With our backs bent down with pain In the shadow of death's darkness We were slaves to sin and blame And we cried out in our labors To the only one who hears And the God of mercy wiped away our tears Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. We were wandering and lost, and our Father brought us home to a safe dwelling place, to a feast of joy and laughter. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Just voices. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. We were wandering and lost, and our Father brought us home to a safe dwelling place, to a feast of joy and laughter. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. He is good. Amen.